Sleeper 2020, a series of conversations with explorers, artists and thinkers in the world of hospitality experience and design. This podcast features Sleeper's editor-at-large Guy Dietrich in conversation with Joyce Wang, principal of Joyce Wang Studio. Today, we're speaking with Joyce Wang. Welcome, Joyce. How lovely to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Guy. Very excited to be here. Joyce, a little introduction. You're a specialist in hospitality and residential design. You established Joyce Wang Studio in 2011 with offices in uh, both Hong Kong and London. And today we're speaking to you at your home in Hong Kong, where hopefully by now children's bedtime is over and you will not be disturbed. But thanks very much for joining us, Joyce. Your studio's work is defined by its high-end luxury and unique one-off custom-made pieces. There's a strong materiality throughout the work, often with a bold interplay between light and dark, solid and transparent, fluid and geometric. And talking of materiality, I'm actually rolling in my hand right now a weighty ball of terrazzo. It's attached to a brass clip etched with the Wang name. And together, these are a key ring that you very kindly sent me. It's a key ring you'll never lose because it's, as I say, pretty weighty. And there's a lot of terrazzo in your projects, uh, metal too. But you celebrate this, this humble marble composite with a group of beautiful objects and furniture in your first collection called the Flint Collection. Congratulations on that as well. But sticking to with hospitality, some of your standout projects include the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, here cabana rooms that surround the, the swimming pool of David Hockney's Bigger Splash picture, were individually reimagined with a very seductive manner. On the other hand, the Mandarin Oriental overlooking London's Hyde Park. Here it was penthouse suite and guest rooms, completed in a sort of more reserved and understated, opulent way. Also, you've done a couple of projects for the fitness brand Equinox, namely the E St. James in London, uh, and more recently their club and spa at their first hotel in Hudson Yards, Manhattan. For this, the studio were the winner of our Spa and Wellness Trophy at the Ahead America's 2020 Awards earlier this month. Our judges said of this winning entry that is full of dark, strong, mood-enhancing architectural spaces. So congratulations on that one, Joyce. Uh, well done. Thank you for um, being involved and collaborating with us. Let's, uh, let's start now by asking you how you, you got to where you are today. Thank you, Guy. I think, to put it simply, we were given opportunities that um, we took with a stride. I think given kind of perseverance, talent inside, really having the right owners who has has that kind of blind faith, you know, before you've really proven yourself, as with the Roosevelt. Um, that was my first hotel project. And the owner and operator at the time, you know, they were actually thinking about hiring, you know, brand names like Yabu Pushelberg, um, Roman Williams. And actually all through the two years I was living in L.A., they would come back to those names and say, you know, why would she, why would we work with, you know, why would we work with you? You sort of, you don't have a name. And, you know, there I was working on the CAD drawings and, you know, having meetings with a contractor and really trying to convince the owners and the operator on a daily basis why they should work with us. So I, I think that opportunity really was a stepping stone to, to other projects. So that was like your, like your lucky break in a way. Very much so, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, it didn't, it didn't really feel like that. It was, it was really tough. I wouldn't say I was grateful at the time, but looking back, for sure, yes. And and but how did you get to LA? That's a that's a long way for someone born in Honolulu, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, I was based in Hong Kong at the time. I just graduated from the Royal College in London. I was headed back to Hong Kong to look for work. And a friend of mine who was working for a developer, that developer actually was part of the owners for the Hollywood Roosevelt, and they're based in Hong Kong. The operators at the time were Thompson Hotel Group, so Jason Pomerantz. And, you know, she said, oh, you know, we have this hotel, it needs a renovation. You know, my boss is thinking about hiring, you know, these designers, but I think we could do them in-house. So we ended up partnering up and, and putting a pitch together. Yeah, that was how it all began. And everybody needs one of those, I think, a little a lucky break. Perhaps to help our, our listeners get a better overview, perhaps you could, you could add to my brief introductory comments to describe your overall design style. Yeah, I think you had some really accurate kind of keywords in there. I think high-end luxury with a geometric kind of take and, and a strong emphasis on materiality. I, I like to think of our work as being cinematic. I think regardless of the aesthetic, the palette, the typology, I am a huge film fanatic and, and thinking about design frame by frame, you know, how the composition comes together. I feel like you know, a great film is something that you talk about afterwards. And much like a great interior, I would want people to, to look back and, and review and, you know, revisit and, you know, come back to the space and find different clues and, and layers within layers of the space. So lots of storytelling for you. Yeah, I think the narrative is, is a really important component of the interior space. So give us a couple of top tips, great movies to watch, current movies. Or, or your or your faves, your all-time faves? Um, all-time favourites, I would say um, The Shining. Um, I think any kind of Stanley Kubrick film um, for me, especially The Shining, you know, it's it's layered with kind of symbology. Every kind of frame, there's there's a movie called Room 237 that dissects The Shining and, and how the scenes, you know, actually portray different nuances and, and comment on politics and culture and heritage. And I, I find that really interesting. Going deep, I just thought it was scary. In more practical terms, how, how would, if people walked into one of your spaces, what would they see? It really depends on, on the project. The, the projects that you mentioned previously, the Mandarin Oriental London, the Equinox in Hudson Yards, and also the Roosevelt, they differ in style um, so much sure. from each other. I think a lot of people have said, an unexpected use of material. And I think that kind of comes, comes back to the key ring in your hand, having terrazzo as a tangible material that you can touch you know, and hold within your hand. Normally it's you know, used as a surface on floor, on flooring, on walls, and it's hardly ever used in something as small as you can hold in your hand. So I think it's, it's about turning these materials and using them in unexpected ways. You've got a couple of upcoming projects that you're working on. Tell us a little bit about where you are with those and, and what have you. Travel has always been a huge thing for me. And I pride ourselves in being the smallest boutique studio, but working on the most kind of global set of projects. So at the moment, we're working on a resort just outside of Tokyo, a private residence in Burgundy in France. We're working with a hotel in London and then also with Jackalope Group in Melbourne on their second property. We're also working with The Great Room um, in Singapore. Let's have a look at the, the two sort of main ideas I want to look at is, is this idea of, of the, the future of travel and then the future of hotel design. So where do you think travel is going to go and how is it going to look over the next two decades? So how do you think things are going to look and change, how our travel pattern is going to change, et cetera? 
I think even before COVID, I, I was noticing this change of, you know, you used to have to take on this form, whether you're traveling for business or pleasure, or you still do. But I, I feel like it's, for me in particular, it's blurring both of those things into, into one. And, you know, hotels being business only or for pleasure only don't really work for me anymore. And I feel like that's probably the same case for people. And I think hotels are, are looking to have to cater well for different things as people travel with their family for business and the two kind of become one world more than ever. So why don't we take a look at um, the, the the hospitality space, the hotels themselves and, and the F&B areas. How do you think uh, those will look over the next, are going to change? And again, looking at something like the, 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 uh, the Great Room in Singapore, how physically you're going to make the differences to allow perhaps for this uh, this idea of, of of physical distancing rather than social distancing so i don't know start at the, the front of the hotel look at the lobby how's that going to look um over over the next uh, years i i would hope for it to kind of feel a bit more democratic um in a way i've never been so much into you know having somebody stand on the other side of a desk and and kind of you know have that sort of a relationship i've i've always like this idea of being able to sit down kind of next to somebody or even kind of shortcut that process and and be shown to my room as quickly as possible i i feel like there's there's this urge i don't know whether it's just being from hong kong and being kind of on a quicker pace of things i like getting you know to the room and being being able to enjoy the amenities quickly rather than oh you know there's there's kind of this whole check-in experience and and you know, even even the part about being shown to the room, I like my privacy and um, being able to get to that sooner. Um, and I think if the lobby kind of facilitates that level of privacy as well, I think you know that's something that I would I would certainly be after. So, so let me get this right. Do you you want you want more hospitality, or would you prefer a sort of a seamless digital experience where you don't actually even have to talk to anybody, just go straight to your room? I think I still prefer the human touch. I, I would I would not want to interact on a digital screen or, you know, have to punch in some numbers and, and, and you know, I, I think I still value that that human touch. Okay, let's let's talk um, maybe about uh, another area of the hotel and, and that's the F&B zones. And you've done a lot of restaurant work, particularly with Mot32, for example, for restaurants now for them. How do you think these are going to change over the next 20 years? And then more immediately, how right now with COVID, how do you think that's going to be working? But the longer term picture is really what we're after. I think people are going to be looking for different experiences within the same space. You know, a lot of the, the restaurateurs that we are working with are are looking for return customers and people who will want to go back time after time. And in order for design to cater for that, we're hoping to create different experiences within the same space. And, you know, that might mean coming with your partner one time and sitting in a more kind of intimate kind of area or coming with a group of friends and being in a more social entertainment kind of centric area and and having these different zones that really cater and, and facilitate different experiences. Um, I think that's going to be... So a flexibility of space or a flexibility of use anyway. Yes, a flexibility of use and experience for sure. And and, and again, can you do this within the same sort of restaurant, have a sort of rowdy, crowded, sort of large communal tables for groups and families, and at the same time have the, the smaller, more intimate spaces? 
Definitely. I think that's something that we've always tried to explore with Mot32 in particular. You do have couples coming for romantic meals. At the same time, you've got bigger groups that are rowdy. You know, in Vegas, for example, we've, we've had to create, you know, all of these different zones to cater for big groups coming in for parties, smaller groups coming in for romantic meals. And I think Mot32 has, has kind of stood to that testament and design, I think, our design specifically, there's, there's this room that we call the Tangerine Alcove in the Hong Kong one in, in Singapore. You know, we call it different names depending on different cities. But the idea is you have this kind of secret space that you walk past and you get a glimpse into, but you might not necessarily be sat there that time, but you might say to, to the waist, oh, you know, what is that room? I want to be sat there next time. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, either the more rowdy room or, you know, it's a more quiet room, but it essentially is an alcove and a restaurant within a restaurant. Yeah, private dining, I think, is very big in Asia. And I think we're going to see more of that, obviously, with in, in, in the near future. What about the guest room? Is that going to need to be flexible as well? I think guest rooms in, in terms of, I mean, working with the, with the Equinox group, um, I think a big part of it has been, you know, how do, how do you cater for wellness? within the guest room itself and, and being large enough for a yoga mat to be laid down, you know, being intimate enough for it to be a sleep chamber. It's having to function for wellness in a, in a more demanding of ways, I would say. And do you think that means sort of bringing in personal bits of equipment, you know, a running machine, a rowing machine, bike or whatever, stationary bike, for example? Should there be room for those in, in guest rooms? I would like to think it's less for uh, physical pieces of equipment and more to do with the choice of materiality, subtle things that hint on, you know, that affect our senses, like the temperature of the room or the quality of the air, the quality of the water coming out of the taps, you know, if you're drinking it. And they're kind of more tangible things rather than bringing in physical pieces of equipment or digitizing things. Um, I'd like to think that the room is becoming more tangible and we're caring more about, you know, how... Things like materials, the air we breathe, the water we drink, you know, the sound within the room and, and the quality of light, you know, how, how those things are affecting us. Uh, and definitely at uh, Equinox, they spend a lot of time thinking about uh, the whole sleep environment, don't they? Yeah, the temperature of the room, you know, down to the quality of the sheets and the cushions and the covers and the level of lighting. Yeah, and soundproofing, et cetera, as you mentioned. Um, talking of, of materiality there, how, how do you think um, that's going to change over the next 20 years? I think, yeah, I think there's going to be a spectrum of materials and products that will cater to this kind of post-COVID world. You know, like I was saying before about different ways of being vegan, there's kind of the fast, the slow way, but also the homemade kind of way. I think, you know, a similar thing will, will apply to the different products that self-cleanse or or you know, are hygienic, you know, for example, copper is a material that naturally, you know, repels bacteria and viruses. So, you know, copper, you know, we use it in ammo 10 years ago, and it was kind of all the rage at that time. And seeing that maybe, maybe coming back again, because of its naturally kind of hygienic qualities. Um, ammo is a, is a bar in, uh, in Hong Kong, correct? Yeah, ammo is um, the first bar that we worked on in Hong Kong. And, and it's uh, because it was a munitions uh, store, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. It's in the age of society, yeah. Looking at uh, what you did to the Equinox at the club and spa there in Hudson Yards, how do you think the spa is going to 
change and 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 look uh do you think you're there is it, is it really cutting edge stuff with with equinox are you able to really lead and be at the forefront of way the way gyms might be looking in the future definitely i think you know back to the maximalist culture i think the spa kind of lives true to that mentality as well you know there's the cryo chamber you know the idea is you've gotten off the flight you know how how do you maximize your performance you know whether it's at work or you know you know you've flown in for a meeting you know you go into the cryo chamber and it really regenerates you in wakes in you up quickest, doesn't it yeah in the quickest of possible <laughs> ways and you know there's this the cbd oil massage you know same thing it, it's got this you know very provocative edge to the treatments in the menu you know there's there's some really interesting ways that they're they're looking at wellness over there and I, I think like I said before it's it's the spectrum of being minimalist and, and maximalist that I find really interesting and and how is that sort of seen in the actual design of of this uh, this particular spa the spa itself I, I think when you go in it, it 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 surprises you in in how much it cocoons you it has this maximalist feeling but it also I think we've we spend a lot of energy to think about how it can be comforting and it can stimulate the various senses. I think there's there's definitely a very strong sense of focus within the different spaces. So when you're in the treatment rooms, for example, it's all about you. The ceilings are curved in, you know, there's there's a mirror at the end, it feels quite dark. So really the sole fo- the sole focus is is on you. And then you have these relaxation chambers along the corridor just outside of the treatment rooms at the same time you can you know sleep within some of those pods and it's you know this new invention of you know how do you give yourself the best opportunity to relax and to have the best stay at the hotel and to perform you know your best whatever the goal of your stay is super love that and uh, i think it's yeah definitely a way forward for the uh, the spa spa industry perhaps i could just ask you last little question if you didn't have to be in hong kong right now where would you be and and uh, with whom uh, and and why hopefully it's not that you have to rush somewhere to see a client but uh, tell us where where you'd rather be if you like I don't know if I'd rather be any of it where else, but here, to be honest. That's, um, and that's a, that's a lovely, lovely answer. <laughs> I don't think anyone's, anyone's given us that one so far. Yeah, I'm really happy yeah. at home. That's where I want to be. Yeah. 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 I understand that. And lucky and lucky you, because at the moment, most of us can't go anywhere. So we are stuck at home. I, I did have the opportunity to go to Bora Bora a week ago. You know, uh, somebody was organizing a private jet and everything. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I've got everything that I want here. I live by the beach in Hong Kong and we've been, you know, going for morning swims and hikes around, you know, I feel like we've discovered a new Hong Kong that we probably not wouldn't have had it not been kind of the situation. So, you know, very happy here. Super. Very good to hear and very good to have you with us. Joyce Wang, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you, Guy. Sleeper 2020, a series of conversations with explorers, artists and thinkers in the world of hospitality experience and design. This podcast features Sleeper's editor-at-large Guy Dietrich in conversation with Joyce Wang, principal of Joyce Wang Studio.